Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is March 23rd, 2017. My name is Philip Rossman. I'm the expert and site editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com. We have a full show for you today as I'll recap Wednesday's 109-102 loss to the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, sneak in some talk about the Magic's three-point shooting and then sneak in a little more talk about the NCAA tournament and the NBA draft as uh, some, some names are getting called up and, and some players are declaring. Uh, I'm running a little bit late today, so let's dive right in. The Orlando Magic fall to the Charlotte Hornets 109-102. Uh, first time in franchise history that the Magic have been swept by the Hornets, if I'm not mistaken. I think the Hornets reported that out. I'm going to run with it uh, because it sounds good and it, it kind of shows that, you know, there's there's some, there's some a little bit of, little bit of, of panic, I guess. I don't, I don't know what the word is. But in any case, the Magic had a, a, played a really good game against the Hornets, honestly. They did a lot of really, really good things for three quarters, but that fourth quarter finally got them. And, and that's something Charlotte has struggled with especially. But Charlotte took it to the Magic in the fourth quarter uh, and, and took the game. Charlotte won the third quarter, or fourth quarter, 32-20. to 20, They won the second half, 61-48. to 48. That is the difference in the game. That's how you build a seven-point win, build a nine-point lead when you're trailing by six, seven, eight points throughout the game. Orlando had control of this game. They moved the ball really, really effectively, got good shots for the most part, took good shots, made made their shots uh, for, for three quarters, got into the paint a, a little bit, were able to drive and kick, and did a lot of really nice things. Defensively, the Magic held their own, held steady. The bench had its struggles, no doubt, uh, which it always does, but they Gave the Magic enough cushion for the starters to come in and retake control of things. That's that's kind of been the M.O. for the Magic since the All-Star break. What's also been kind of the M.O. is that the Magic do tend to drop the ball a little bit in that fourth quarter. They have to hang on sort of for dear life. And in some sense, it's good that the Magic had another good effort coming off of the win against Philadelphia. They played a lot better than they did Monday night when they won uh, overall for 48 minutes. But they lost touch of things in that fourth quarter. What happened in the fourth quarter? Largely, Frank Kaminsky happened. 13 of his 18 points in the fourth quarter. He did a really good job, you know, just, just what he does. Um, you know, he popped once, got a three-pointer, made a basket around the, around the made a hoop around the basket, um, was able to get another three-pointer fall. He had like eight, I think he had eight an eight-point run in a, in a 10-2 run or a 10-0 run or something like that as Charlotte took the lead. Kaminsky was directly responsible for that. Kemba Walker was too. He finished the game with 22 points, including, let me look this up real fast, including eight in the fourth quarter. He only shot two for six in the fourth quarter, eight for 21 overall, but he had a massive impact on the game. Seven assists, only one turnover for the former all-star point guard of the Charlotte Hornets. Now, Walker 
was was good. I mean, uh, the stats don't say it, but he was able to get kind of where he wanted to go. Um, the Magic paid a lot of attention to him, and it freed up everyone else. And Charlotte started making shots in the fourth quarter. Uh, that that's kind of the difference in the game. Uh, you know, Cody Zeller gets 15 points in for 10. He's not creating those opportunities. Kemba Walker, Nicholas Batum are, and, and they had 13 assists between them, seven for Walker, six for Batum. Uh, the Magic defense was good. It, it picked up, picked itself up, but in that fourth quarter, it just wasn't enough. The Magic just did not have uh, enough gas going down the going down the the, the the final stretch, and the Hornets stepped up their defense to boot. I thought we really played well offensively in the fourth quarter and had some great offensive possessions that led to open shots that we just didn't knock down. Most of the most of the quarter looked like that. There was a couple possessions got busted up, but you now there was there was some really good offensive possessions that didn't uh, result in the payoff and um, you know it's just a game of basketball. And the magic uh, certainly did have those struggles in the fourth quarter. They shoot 45.5% uh, for the game, but in that fourth quarter, they shoot only 7 for 22, including 4 for 13 from beyond the arc. The Hornets shoot 11 for 20 and 4 for 7 from beyond the arc. It, it, it is, as as has always been said by coaches, is a make-or-miss league. You're either going to make shots or you're going to miss them, and that's kind of how games get decided a lot of times. That's kind of how, uh, you know, that, that that's frankly, what you want a game decided by, whether you can make or miss shots. And the Magic did get good looks. They were able to work the ball around the perimeter, um, get good shots, and, and, and they just weren't falling uh, at the end of the game. And, and Orlando, and I'll talk a little bit more about the three-point shooting, but 14 for 40 from beyond the arc. The Magic had plenty of opportunities. A lot of them were good looks. A lot, Some of them were rushed. Some of them were poor shot selection. But a lot of them were good opportunities for this team to score, and, and it just they just didn't go down. That happens, and you can live with, I mean, they those losses sting, but you can live with them. Now, granted, the Magic had some opportunities that they missed, uh, and, and the Hornets' defense did pick up its play, and Orlando could not answer. And, and so, in that sense, simply Wednesday night, the better team won, and, and Charlotte, you know, record the record says it, are six games, six and a half, five and a half games better than the Orlando Magic this year. There were a lot of possessions, especially late in the game, where Alfred Payton, and, and Payton even admitted this, he overdrew, he overpenetrated, got too deep, got trapped by the defense, and, and had to kind of wiggle his way out. And Charlotte is really, really good at kind of corralling penetration and getting back out to the three-point line. Charlotte's one of those weird teams. They can go big or small on their front court, but they're big in the back court. Nicholas Batum plays shooting guard uh, to start games, essentially, with Michael Kidd-Gilchrist next to him at small forward. That's a lot of length. That's a lot of size. Um, that's that's going out to the perimeter. Uh, and so the Magic struggled with that, especially in the fourth quarter, as Peyton got trapped. Uh, he had to find an outlet, often went to Nikola Vucevic. They played two-man game on the wing as time ran out on the shot clock. The, the defense for the Hornets stepped up and stymied the Magic and made things very, very difficult for the team. I'll talk a little bit more about the three-point shooting in just a bit, but let me run through the final stats for you. Again, the Magic shoot 45.5% from the floor, 14 for 40 from the three-point line. I'll talk about the three-point shooting in a bit, but that is the most three-point attempts for the Magic this season. Talk about that in just a moment. As I said, that's called a tease. Terrence Ross leads the way with 19 points, 8 for 15, shooting 3 for 9 from beyond the arc. Took some good shots, took some rush shots, took some contested shots, but mostly in rhythm. Got to be happy with the shot selection. What you can't be happy about is that the Magic's leading scorer only took one field goal attempt in the fourth quarter. A lot of play through Alfred Payton, which is fine. I think Alfred's kind of deserved, kind of earned that right to make plays and to have and to have the ball in his hands late in games. But 
would like to see them try and run some more for, for Terrence Ross, get him going off of the pin downs and, and the screens that really seem to work for him. Uh, yeah, I'm, I may write a little bit more about how the Magic are, are using Terrence Ross in a playbook, playbook post on OrlandoMagicDaily.com fairly soon. But it's definitely felt like Ross needed to be more involved, uh, finally, had a, finally had a good shooting game, finally had a good game, and it was just kind of left out in the cold. Uh, Alfred Payton, like I said, solid game for him, 15 points. Five assists, five rebounds, six for nine shooting. Took a th- took a three pointer, an odd three pointer for him since the All Star break, and made it. Uh, so a good game for Peyton as he he again leads the way for the team offensively. Evan Fournier, fifteen points, five for twelve shooting, three for nine from beyond the arc, and Nikola Vucevic, fourteen points, twelve rebounds, and a career high eight assisted. A good job passing, and when the Magic are passing, they're obviously a much better team. Twenty six assists on forty field goal attempts. For the Magic, uh, can obviously do more passing ball. And, and another interesting note, which I'll, I'll I'm, th- I'm probably going to write about uh, today on OrlandoMagicDaily.com. Mario Zonia got the minutes for Jeff Green, who's out with back spasms, um, playing power forward, eight points uh, on the game. Looked pretty good, seven rebounds. It looked like uh, it was a comfortable position for him. He got some space to shoot and let it fly. Just has to make shots. Three for twelve from the field, two for five from beyond the arc. So, so definitely some getting used to with the positioning. Uh, and the play, Charlotte was a good team to run him at the 4-4, four, four, uh, and it did seem to work, and so maybe we'll see a little bit more of that, and maybe a little, you know, maybe they'll let Jeff Green uh, make sure that he gets fully healthy before they put him back out there. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99. And our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. The one thing I I do want to to talk about, though, is the Magic's relationship with the three-point line. It's been something that has been talked about on and off again through out the season, um, this is not a good shooting team. Uh, I think everyone kind of knew that heading into the season, that shooting was going to be a pretty big weakness for the Magic. And that's proven itself to be true. The Magic are the worst three-point shooting team in the league. They take about uh, the median amount of, of three-pointers, but this is not a good three-point shooting team overall. And that's that's for the whole season. So, you know, you take, in, take into account the first part of the season when the Magic really weren't a shooting team. So now they bring in some shooters. They bring in Terrence Ross. They're playing Mario Zonia more. They're they're spreading the floor out. Aaron Gordon's back back closer to the, to the paint rather than out on the perimeter. They're trying to space the floor out a little bit more, and they're trying. And obviously, Jody Meeks is back now. That helps space the floor a lot. They're trying to get more three pointers. They're trying to create more space for drivers. They're trying to get out and transition a little bit more, and that does create three point opportunities. Maybe not to the extent that they did Wednesday night. Orlando takes 43 pointers. Like I said, that is the most three point attempts that the Magic have taken all year. This is not a three point shooting team in that sense. Certainly, they need it. They need to make threes. And 14 three pointers is a really good number for the Magic. But to take that many attempts, even with this new style, doesn't quite feel right. Now, give the Magic credit. I agree. A lot of their three point attempts were good looks. And that was something that Alfred Payton noted after the game. Oh. You know, we, we missed a couple shots that we, we usually make. Uh, a couple times I think we might have over-penetrated a little bit. But uh, for the most part, we got some good looks. We just, we just got to knock them down at the end of the day. 
without digging too deep into the stats, I mean, it, it, my observation throughout Wednesday's game was that, yes, the Magic did have some open looks and did have some opportunities to make baskets that just didn't go down. I mean, that, that happens again. It's a make-or-miss league. But the Magic statistically still have a problem with the three-point line, and, and, and I think taking 43-point attempts brought that to the forefront. First off, the previous high was 38 from New Year's Day against the Indian Pacers. A loss. Previous high, the high since the All-Star break was 35. Taken in that 17-point, in, in that loss to the Washington Wizards where the Magic blew a 17-point lead. So, over-reliance on the three-point line has not worked for the Magic. In fact, the Magic have lost all but one game in which they've taken 34 or more three-point attempts. That's nine games this season. So, the Magic are not a volume three-point shooting team. Again, their season average is about at the median. But... Even more than that, even with Terrence Ross back in the picture, even with the Magic trying to push the pace and get out in transition and, and create more space, the threat of the three-pointer for the Magic has been more pronounced than the actual ability to make three-point shots. Let me explain. The Magic this year, since the All-Star break, I'm, I'm pulling up the stats right now, so excuse me if it sounds like I'm taking a break. Uh, the Magic this year, are, since the All-Star break, are shooting an average of 27 three-point attempts per game. That's up from 25.9 their season average. And while the Magic are shooting more three-pointers, their percentage is even worse. They're at like 32.7% for the year on three-pointers. Since the All-Star break, they're shooting 28.8% on three-pointers. Terrence Ross has been a big part of that. He has really struggled from beyond the arc. I think he's less than 30%, and three-for-nine shooting is actually a, a really good game for him. Um, you look go through the line of three-point shooters that the Magic have. Jody Meeks was 3-for-4 three on three-pointers. He, he made his shot. C.J. Watson, 0-for-3. D.J. Augustin, 1-for-3. Mario Zonia, 2-for-5, which is not bad. Evan Fournier, 3-for-9. You have a lot of guys taking a lot of three-pointers and, and just missing them. Good, bad, indifferent. Uh, no judgment on the quality of these three-point looks, but the Magic are missing these shots. That, again is something the Magic have to figure out in the offseason, perhaps. How do we create, A, more space, and B, how do we get shooters the ball in positions to score, and, and C, how do they make shots? This is, a, this is a huge concern for the Magic. Grant, and Wednesday's game is a bit of an anomaly. The Charlotte Hornets give up the most three-point attempts in the league, and they're actually about league average at defending them, but they give up you know a good chunk of three-pointers per game. I think it's a uh, 31.6 attempts per game, giving up 35.8% uh, on the on the on the year, which is 15th in the league. So they're about league average percentage-wise, giving up the most three-point attempts per game. This that's essentially a shot Charlotte wants to give up. They want to give up three-pointers, and to some extent, the Magic fell in love with it. The Magic kind of gave in to what Charlotte wanted them to do on Wednesday by taking so many three-pointers through three quarters. Stats through three quarters, the Magic shot 10 for 27 from beyond the arc, which means they took 13 threes, making only four in the fourth quarter. And a time when the Magic needed to make sure they got good baskets, got good shots, got to the basket, they were settling for three-pointers. And while, again, a lot of those looks were good, the numbers for this team suggest that they were going to fall down to their average, which is exactly what happened, and in some respects, cost them the game. Three-point shooting, as we've seen throughout the league, is becoming more and more and more and more important. Teams are relying more heavily 
on the three-point shot than ever before. And so the Magic have to, not that they have to completely embrace this revolution, but they have to become more adept at making this shot. And, and if they can do that, they'll be able to take another step. And that's why I think there's still some talk about bringing Jody Meeks back. That's why, you know, there's going to be a lot of talk in the draft about bringing in shooters and bringing in playmakers to create for shooters, to get shooters better shots. Because in these tight moments, the Magic struggle to create good opportunities. And, and that's, why, that's one of the reasons why their record is what it is. They struggle sometimes in these close games. And that's going to be something that the Magic will have to address in the summer because the three-point shooting, there are some good chunk, there are some good numbers, there are some encouraging trends. I think that the threat of the three-point shot from Ross, from Meeks, from, from some of the Magic's players has created more space for Alfred Payton to do what he's done since the All-Star break. But clearly the Magic need just a little bit more on the three-point front if they're going to kind of take that next step as a team because as as we've seen throughout the league, the three-pointer is a bigger weapon than ever before and teams have to use it to their fullest advantage if they're going to succeed in this league. Okay, today is Thursday, of course, which uh, in March can only mean one thing. It's time to get back to the NCAA tournament. And uh, congrats first to the UCF Knights on reaching the NIT semifinals, a sold-out CFE arena last night down uh, in East Orlando on the campus of University of Central Florida, UCF. Uh, So big congratulations to the Knights. Uh, I I covered them a little bit last year uh, for my site, Orlando Sports Daily, and uh, it was it was a tough season for them last year. They 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 went they hired a new coach, and, and to see them take this step forward is absolutely incredible. A uh, lot to be proud of over at UCF. A lot a promise to be had with the UCF men's basketball team. Even the women's basketball team actually has a lot of promise too. But the men's basketball team uh, making some big waves, beating Illinois, which which not even my Northwestern Wildcats could do. So so a big congratulations to the Knights and to many many more positive things ahead. They'll take on TCU on Tuesday at Madison Square Garden. But first at Madison Square Garden, the NCAA tournament is in New York for the Sweet 16. Though there'll be two there'll be four games tonight, uh, I believe in San Jose is the other the other region that's playing tonight as well. Um, yeah, actually, New York may not be till tomorrow. I, I I don't know the exact schedule for the NCAA tournament right now. I'm sorry, but we're in the Sweet 16. We're in the regional regional regionals round, I guess. Um, this is where things get really serious in the tournament. And of course, the Magic and Magic fans are going to be watching these games closely. We still got so many top prospects. While well, Jason Tatum and Duke are out, Jason Tatum declared for the NBA draft on Wednesday. We still have Josh Jackson of Kansas playing. We still have. Lori Markinen of Arizona playing. We still have Malik Monk and Darren Fox of Kentucky playing. We still have, of course, Lonzo Ball playing for UCLA as well. UCLA-Kentucky Friday night. Uh, make sure you catch that after the Magic game, of course, uh, as that should be a promising and fun game. Uh, lots still to parse out and, and learn from the NCAA tournament. But while a lot of the focus is on the top picks, and, and we know those names, Markel Fultz, Lonzo Ball, Dennis Smith Jr., Malik Monk, Laurie Markinen, uh, those are in top 10, uh, Josh Jackson, Jason Tatum, Jonathan Isaac, we, Darren Fox, Frank, Frank Nitticolina, although many people may not know him. Uh, while we know those guys are at the very, very top that the Magic will be looking at, at with the fourth or fifth pick probably, there, we also have to take a look at the end of the draft. The Orlando Magic, of course, own uh, the worst of the Raptors and Clippers pick from the Serge Ibaka trade, it's likely going to come in at like 21, 22, or 23, it looks like. 
there's still going to be a lot of talent available at the end of the draft. And so when you're watching some of these games, you also need to keep an eye on a couple other players who might still be playing or who might be uh, coming up or coming into, into focus here at the end of the draft. That could be someone like North Carolina's Justin Jackson. Uh, he, he's been anywhere from a, a lottery pick to late first-round pick for the North Carolina Tar Heels. North Carolina is is obviously a team that's going to be competing for the national championship, and Jackson's been a big part of that. Um, you, you watch him play. He's He was in the ACC Player of the Year running. Uh, he's a guy who could score a little bit, but again, just kind of an in-between player. I, I think the question with him is, is can he define a skill for himself as a role player? Uh, and obviously, he's done a lot of that for North Carolina because North Carolina is incredibly talented. So you have to kind of find your find your space to take a back seat and to, to, to take forward. But Justin Jackson is a scorer. He's got good length. Uh, and he's someone that could uh, continue to shine and continue to climb draft boards and, and be available around the time that the Magic are picking. Another guy that I think you got to kind of keep an eye on uh, late in this first round is uh, is Alonzo Trier of Arizona. Uh, Trier is Arizona's main play, main kind of creator and playmaker. They they have a great point guard uh, as well, but Trier is the guy that really kind of makes things go, and, and he's really come on strong at the end of his sophomore year. He missed a bunch of games in the first half of the year though because he tested positive for a banned substance. Um, he claims, you know, he makes the usual claim that athletes make that he took something from, you know, GNC or wherever, uh, from a nutritional store or wherever, and had a banned substance and he didn't know about it. College kids, I tend to believe that excuse a little bit more than pro players, but uh, just looking at what, I mean, that issue aside, just looking at what he does on the court, great off the dribble, not a bad shooter, can can create his own shot, and, and I think Trier to me, Trier is the reason why I picked Arizona to win the national championship. They've got two bigs in, in Ristich and, and Markinen. Markinen's likely a top 10 pick um, who are very, very talented and complement each other really well. But true to me is what takes them over the top. So when you're watching Arizona play Xavier um, tonight, keep an eye on Alonzo Trier. I think he's someone that the Magic certainly could look at uh, with a with their late pick as someone they can bring off the bench and groom into a six man as a shooting guard or small four. Now, obviously, they have, they have some players there too already. But... You see, if you're looking for a best player available late in the draft, I think Trier is a fantastic option. Another guy to look at, he's out of the tournament, but Juwan Evans. Um, if the Magic don't go point guard at the top of the draft, uh, Juwan Evans, I think, is a really good player to, to look at at the bottom of the draft, maybe to bring in behind Elford Payton if you're going to keep him uh, and, and kind of groom him that way. Evans is really, really good at getting to the basket. Not necessarily good at finishing at the basket, but he gets to the basket well. He dishes it off well. Oklahoma State was a fun team to watch this year. Um, they got to the NCAA tournament. They nearly toppled Michigan, a, a, a team that's just on fire right now, uh, in the uh, first round, I believe. Um, and it, it's it, he's he's a guy to keep an eye on. Uh, I think he's someone that could really shine in workouts. He's good good size and, and can play well. Another guy that, that might be good as a point guard is Monty Morris from Iowa State. Again, they're out of the tournament already, but... He was he's someone really athletic guard can score around the basket. Uh, needs to kind of continue to improve his shot, but he's someone that that really helped Iowa State uh, have a stellar season for them. Uh, as uh, other guys to keep keep an eye on throughout the throughout the NCAA tournament, uh, Dylan Brooks from Oregon. Uh, he's always just kind of filled the gaps for for them. But now that Chris Boucher is out for for the for the Ducks, their NCAA tournament hopes are really dependent on whether Brooks can. 
continue to take that next step and lead the team in scoring. And, and he's so far done that. And I think that's a good, obviously that's a good sign for Oregon because they, they need him to do that. But uh, that's that's something that's going to help his draft stock a little bit if he decides to come out. I believe he's a sophomore or a junior. Uh, so that'll be something to keep an eye on as well. Another guy you might want to keep an eye on too is Gonzaga's Zach, Col- uh, Zach Collins or Nick Collins. I, I Take, keep, keep an eye out on Collins for Gonzaga. A lot of the attention goes to Karnowski, who's just this, this beast mountain, you know, this big, big dude. I don't think he has much NBA prospects. He's just too kind of big and slow. But Collins has a lot of versatility. He's able to step out and hit jumpers. Really good footwork on the on the block and post. Um, so he has that, that two-way ability. He's just really raw and really young. He's easily pushed around. Um, which is why I think Gonzaga prefers Karnowski late in games. Um, but late against Northwestern, they went to Collins. Collins committed the, the infamous goaltend that that we won't talk too much about because it'll make me angry. Uh, but he is just, he's a really athletic big, um, uh, you know, and, and has has a good game. Uh, probably needs another year of seasoning. I, I'd like to see him stay at Gonzaga another year, but uh, he's someone that, that you can definitely keep an eye on as well uh, in today's games. Uh, you know about... Uh, you know about a lot of the players, of course, to keep an eye on in, in, in Lonzo Ball, Malik Monk, uh, Darren Fox, I think is another player to keep an eye on as well, who's played fantastic basketball, and, and the matchup between him and Ball is going to be a lot of fun to watch. Another guy I guess to, to keep an eye out too is is, is some of Michigan's guys. Uh, Michigan has some really strong players who uh, who have played really, really well lately. I mean, I, 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 they're the hottest team in the nation right now, and so there's there's good reason for that as well. Uh, those are just some names to keep an eye on late in the draft. Obviously, a lot of the draft prospects are done. We're, you know, we're in the Sweet 16. There's only 16 teams left. Uh, but there's still some talent to mine, and, and the Magic are going to have a lot of draft picks. I, I don't think this is something we should look past. The Magic will have their top pick, which will be in the five. Let's say, let's say it's going to be four or five. They're going to have the pick from the Raptors and Clippers, which will be somewhere in the early 20s. And then they're going to have their own second round pick, which will probably be 36, 30, you know, 35, 36, somewhere in there. And then there are, then they might also have the Lakers second round pick. If the Lakers keep their pick this year, so if the Lakers end up in the top three of the lottery, the Lakers keep their pick and they send two second round picks to the Magic, one this year and one next year. So the Magic would get a second second round pick at the very beginning of the second round. So the Magic, I don't think they'll take four rookies onto their roster next year. But there is opportunity to mine for talent to create depth. And and that may not necessarily help the team win next year. But the Magic will have some assets to, to use at the draft. Whether they want to package those two second rounders plus their late first rounder to maybe move up a little bit in the first round to get a guy that they want, that's very, very possible. So, be... I guess, be wary of some of these players that'll be in the late lottery, perhaps, or in, in that early, in that early late teens, early 20s range, because that's where the Magic are picking. That's These are the players the Magic will also be looking at. It's not just about the very, very top of the draft, and the Magic will have plenty of opportunity to make some good picks late in the draft, and there's plenty of good players. This is, this I, I, I know I've said I've been down on this draft, and at the very top of this draft... I'm a little bit lower on, on this draft than a lot of people. I do think that there are some good players, but not great players. I like Fultz, don't love him. I like Ball, don't love him. Um, Josh Jackson, I'm, I'm beginning to love more and more, but I'm not taking him over Fultz or Ball. I'm not under any impressions that, that he's a better prospect than those two guys. But I, I, I want to slow the hype train on the top of this draft. I will say that it does feel like a very deep draft, that, that you'll be able to get a quality role player to add some depth 
where the Magic are picking in the 20s, which which I don't think is always the case. I, I do like some of the options that they'll have, whether it's Tyler Lydon or uh, you know, or Jawan Evans or, or whoever. Um, there are some good players to be had late in this draft. So keep an eye on some of those as you're watching the NCAA tournament on Thursday and Friday. Uh, of course, going on to the Elite Eight on Saturday and Sunday as well. I want to thank everyone again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. Apologies again for getting it up late, so hopefully you enjoy this on your lunch break or on your way home from work, or whenever you listen to Locked on Magic, be sure to download it on iTunes, Audible, Stitcher, tune in, and leave a review. Let us know what you think of the show. It does help us climb the rankings. Another quick reminder, the Orlando Magic Daily Mailbag is open. If you have any questions about any of these prospects or anything about the NBA draft or the NCAA tournament, as it's going on, I'll be taking uh, I'm taking questions uh, for a mailbag that'll hopefully be released uh, on the NCAA tournament uh, championship games uh, date uh, next Monday. That that'll be dependent on how early I get home from the WrestleMania show that I'll be going to uh, that Sunday. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, so if you want to send in a question, you can do so at Omagic Daily or at Locked on Magic on Twitter. You can also email the show at omagicdaily at gmail.com. If you have any any questions for the mailbag or any other concerns, comments, or well wishes or advertisement inquiries or, or whatever um, on uh, for the show, you can do that at omagicdaily at gmail.com. You can, of course, like the podcast on Facebook at Locked on Magic, as well as follow orlandomagicdaily.com on Facebook at Orlando Magic Daily. And, of course, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com for the latest on the Orlando Magic this the rest of the season and heading into the offseason as we get ready for the draft and what should be a pretty interesting summer. That's going to do it for today's episode for Locked On Magic and Orlando Magic Daily. This has been Philip Rossman Reich. I'll see you all again tomorrow on another episode of Locked On Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.